And uh, we're in chapter 6. I, I've been posting out on uh, Facebook, so if you look, you'll see, I'm trying to post what we're actually looking at on Sunday mornings and the preaching that's going to be taking place on Sunday mornings and uh, putting it out for Sunday evenings as well. And so I want to encourage you to read ahead of time. Prepare your hearts when you come to the house of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to, to get in. And this morning, we're in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And so let's all stand this morning in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 6. The Bible says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of the hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being seated. Uh, just uh, going through uh, the book of Hebrews is healthy for you as a Christian. Uh, it really can help you better understand who Jesus Christ is and the importance of your relationship with Christ. And I think the Christian takes on the responsibility of maintaining their relationship with the Lord uh, once you're saved, you have a responsibility before God in your prayer life, uh, in reading of the Scriptures, in spending time in the Word of God, uh, in your service to God, in your giving. Uh, all the things, uh, you have to take some personal responsibility for those. Uh, in every uh, situation, you have that responsibility to say, okay, what am I doing today uh, to help my relationship with my Savior to be more intimate? It's very needful to have an intimate bond with the Lord and this comes through your reading and your praying and seeking the Lord for His guidance in your life. And when you allow the relationship to grow uh, stale, what happens to you? Well, you pull away from God. You pull away from church. You pull away from reading your Bible. You pull away from praying. And what happens is your relationship with the Lord can grow very stale as a result of that. And that happens because of a lack of a communication. Most marriages in the United States end, and if you look, it says irreconcilable differences. That means we can't talk to one another anymore or we don't talk to one another anymore. And the thing of it is, is that how can you expect to have a good relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you're not communicating? Uh, just like you have to communicate in your relationship with your spouse, you have to communicate uh, with God on a regular basis. And what happens is you'll grow distant from the Lord and even abandon your faith. Now, two weeks ago, not this past Sunday, but two weeks ago, we were in chapter 5. And a couple of things that we looked at was uh, spiritual apostasy. What does that mean? Well, that means we're becoming lazy in our Christian lives. We, we, we don't see the Word of God as necessary anymore. We, we kind of feel, eh, if I get it, great. If I don't, okay too. And, and we just become lackadaisical in it. We likened it unto being a sloth, and I described to you about a sloth. And, and a sloth is one of those uh, that uh, is so slow, and they move so slow, that mold grows up on their body. Now, uh, fellas, I'm going to have you move up this way. Why don't you two way back there, come on all the way up here. Just sit right in front of Mr. Bill right here, okay? Right there in front of Mr. Bill. And uh, you can sit right there, okay? And uh, just want to help you guys this morning. All right? Now, two weeks ago, we talked about being dull of hearing, uh, remaining a babe in the Word, and remaining immature in your Christian life. One of the things you don't want to do is remain immature in your Christian life. You want to grow in your Christian life. Uh, you don't want to remain a babe. We liken that to uh, staying on uh, eating baby food, Gerber food, rather than sitting down and eating spaghetti like we're about to do today. Uh, the other thing is, is you become dull of hearing. What happens to us, and especially in a church like this, I've been here two and a half years now, you hear my voice almost every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You hear this man, uh, some of you are in my Sunday school class, then you're in the Sunday morning service, you're in the Sunday uh, evening service, you're in a Wednesday evening service. You continually hear my voice, and what can become of that is you can become dull of hearing. Uh, you hear it, and it almost kind of sounds like a cadence after a while. And so we know he's talking, but it's sort of like wah, 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 wah. And uh, you're not really paying attention anymore. Yet God desires for us not to become dull of hearing. 
Now, when I talk about dull of hearing, it's not just about being in a preaching service, but here's what can happen to you. Even when you pick up the Scriptures and you're reading the Bible and you're in a particular set of passages, God is speaking to you. And we can become dull of hearing. How many of you have read something and don't even know what you read when you got to the end? Anybody ever have done that? You've read the whole page, you got to the end, that's my Verizon bill, and you get to the end and you're thinking, what did I just read? And the thing of it is, is the same is true with the Scriptures. You can pick up your Bible, you can say, I did my Bible study this morning, and say, well, what was it on? Huh? Guess what you were? You were a doll of what? You weren't listening to what you were reading. Now, this all leads up to what happens when we do not mature and become dull of hearing, remaining an infant or uh, in our Christian life. And there's a risk when that happens. And the risk is this. He speaks of it in this passage. There's a falling away. You can fall away from God. Now, let me get you to think about this. This is all predicated off of choices. You make choices every day. Every one of us make choices every day. If you choose not to pray and you choose not to read your Bible and you choose not to go to church and you choose not to serve and you choose not to give, those are choices. Those are all choices that you make. Now, pastor's not here uh, as the Holy Spirit of God to come into your homes and say, well, listen, I just need to correct all of you. You all aren't doing this, that, or the other. I'm not, I don't have that responsibility. I have the responsibility to preach to you from here and to minister to you when you come to me for counsel. But you have a personal responsibility for your Christian life. You have a personal responsibility for it. I can't make you do anything. You make choices every day. Uh, whether you're young or old in this auditorium, every day you make choices. How many of us that are in our later years <laughs> made choices when we were younger and said, man, if I had it to do over again, I would not have done. Anybody with me on that one? Anybody? There's some things I wouldn't have done, right? Now, here's the thing. My relationship with the Lord can affect the things that I do and the things that I do not do. And you have to have a close relationship with the Lord in making your choices. It's all predicated off of choices, and you make choices daily in your life. And as believers, the choices you will make will either weaken your faith, causing you to fall away, or it will strengthen your faith and build a stronger bond between you and the Lord. Now, what will help you in your Christian life is to build that bond. To build that stronger bond is there to help you. And what we're going to look at this morning is that subject matter. Do you use the spiritual gifts given to you to avoid falling away in your faith? Do you use the spiritual gifts that God has given unto you to avoid falling away in your faith? Now, each of us, when we got saved, have been given a spiritual gift, and God desires for us to use those gifts. In addition to that, God desires for us to walk with Him closely every day through the reading of the Bible, through the prayer time that I have, and, and, and through uh, coming to a church service and being uh, here to listen to messages and to strengthen me in my Christian walk. All of those things are what God gives to you to help you avoid falling away. And the Lord provides us with the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, listen to me, if you are saved, God the Holy Spirit is inside you. Amen? Amen? Amen. He is in you. And so therefore... I want to do those things that do not squelch or quench the Spirit of God, but those things which please the Father. And listen, when, when you have that thing happen, you say, well, I just feel bad about that. As a Christian, it's not feel bad sometimes. It's called conviction. And when those convictions come on us, what are we doing about them to kind of change direction? So the Lord provides us the Holy Spirit. Well, He also provides us His Word. Amen? And so every day you have an opportunity to find out what God thinks. You have a, every day you have an opportunity to find out what God wants to say or what God wants to do. Uh, you have every day to pick up His Word and know what God wants to do in your life. And you say, how do I know He wants to do that in my life? Listen, when you pick up the Bible and you start reading it, it is not an accident. And God is trying to communicate a message to you each and every day. Not only that, He has the Holy Spirit, He has His Word, He has this local church. This local church is here that we may come together, that we may learn more about God, learn better uh, how to worship God, uh, learn more how to have a stronger relationship with God. And then we walk out of here having been strengthened by the Word of God to take that back out to a lost and dying world and say, listen, you too can be strengthened by God and you can be a witness for Christ Jesus when you walk outside the door. The other thing is, is that you have a preacher. You have someone who's standing up and he's trying to encourage you. 
It's sort of like your door cells are going down, and i got to replace them every Sunday. <laughs> and and it, it's hard during the week, amen? Things happen all week long. How many of you agree? Stuff just goes on in our lives. And stuff is hard today. And, and listen, between the news and everything else that goes on in our lives, it's a wonder we don't just walk away. <laughs> and what I'm trying to share with you is life is hard. We have jobs, we have people that we're accountable to. Uh, some of you probably have some bosses that are probably not the kindest. But the fact is, is that every day you have something going on. And things go wrong. How many of you agree with that? <laughs> things just go wrong sometimes. And so what do you do with your week? And so when you come in here, what I want to do is I want to tell you, listen, everybody faces challenges. Everybody has hardships. Listen, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with that temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I want you to know that we have a faithful God this morning. Amen? And He will keep you from falling away. Now, I'm telling you this morning, you have a personal responsibility in that, though. You have a personal responsibility to walk close with God. The Bible clearly says, draw nigh unto God, and He will do what? Draw nigh unto you. And He tells us, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. Listen, when we get out in the world, what can happen to us? We can definitely slip into becoming what? Double-minded. And yet God says, don't allow that to happen to you. Walk closely with me. Draw nigh unto God, and He'll draw nigh unto you. So the Lord provides the Holy Spirit, He provides His Word, He provides His church, He provides a preacher, and He provides an opportunity to serve. Every person that is saved has received at least one talent. Amen? Every person, you can say amen to that. Every person that is saved has received at least one talent. One. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be that unfaithful servant that takes it and buries it in the sand? What did He say to the one that He gave one to? Thou wicked, right? He called him wicked. He said, you have this talent and you used it for nothing. But I, I, I know thou art hard, Lord. And he said, take the one and give it to the one that has the what? Woo! How would that make you feel? Right? See, what the world wants to do is he wants to, uh, the, the way our nation is, is let's take from the one that has the ten and give it to everybody else. We'll spread them out. <laughs> but God said, take the one that only has one that's doing nothing with it and give it to the one that has the ten. Everybody that's saved, God has given you a gift. He's given you some talent to use for His glory. So there are three gifts given to the believer to help him avoid falling away or help them avoid falling away. First of all, God gave us the doctrine of Christ. <laughs> that's the first thing we have. We have the doctrine of Christ. You say, what's that big word doctrine mean? That means God taught us who Christ is. Amen. He gave us who Christ is. He tells us who Christ is. That's the first thing we got. The second thing is this. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you Himself. When you got saved, He gave you a part of Himself. And the third thought is this. You can receive the blessing of God as a dresser. Going out and dressing His field, doing those things that you're supposed to do, God says you will receive the blessing of God. Now, I want to challenge you with this this morning. Think about this for just a moment. To help you avoid falling away, you're given the gift of the doctrine of Christ. Now look at verses 1 through 3 with me. Now you might misunderstand this verse when you read it, but I want you to get the, uh, the crux of what it's all about. He said, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on under perfection, uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism and laying on of the hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment, and this will we do if God permit. Now, the subject is progression in the Christian life, and God gave the gift of salvation to you through Christ Jesus. And what he's talking about here is this. He says this, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, when I was in uh, grade school, when I first went to first grade, one of the things they were teaching us in kindergarten and first grade, they taught us our ABCs. When we got our ABCs, ABCs helped us understand that those ABCs spell words. And then they taught me how to spell words. And once they taught me how to spell words, they taught me that if you put these words in a certain order, they make sentences. <laughs> and then I got to seventh grade and had to learn how to diagram those things, and I lost my mind. 
But the thing of it is, is that it's a progression, isn't it? What he's talking about here is just that. How many years have you been saved? (laughs) And what he's talking about, he said, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on. He's saying, we got to move forward past our ABCs. It's time to do something else. It's time to take that great salvation that God hath given unto you and to do more with it. You were told to avoid becoming dull of hearing, and you're warned to not fall away by your own actions. And the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that is the very foundation of your faith, and it's time to build on that foundation. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, now that that's been laid, now that you're there, do something with it now. Build on that. And that's what that means when he said, let us go on. When he tells us, let us go on, it's simply teaching that it's time for your faith to now grow or to build on that rock, Jesus Christ. Listen, God didn't just save us so that he could just take us out of here. If he did, that's exactly what would happen every time somebody gets saved. But God saved your soul so that you may be a witness for him and that you build on that foundation that he has laid for you through salvation. And he's telling you he wants you to do more. Now, the life you have in Christ, it should not be stagnant. It should not be stale. It's not a, it is a place to maintain, but it is not a place of becoming stagnant in your Christian life. Now, I challenge you this morning. Do you think you're growing in your Christian life? Are, are you learning anything else about God? See, every day ought to be a day of discovery, amen? Every day ought to be something new that you're learning about God or something new that you're learning about yourself that God has just taught you about you. And every day is a day of discovery whenever you are involved getting beyond just the ABCs of your Christian life. It's a day of discovery. Uh, The life you have in Christ is not to be stagnant or stale, a place to maintain, but rather a working faith, as the words of Paul. Let me get you turned to 1 Corinthians with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Are we there? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Now look at the next thing. Always doing what? Abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now what am I telling you? He stays steadfast and unmovable in the foundation. Are you with me? Stay steadfast and unmovable in those ABCs. Stay steadfast and unmovable in those things. But let me tell you this. He says in that very passage, unmovable, always abounding in the what? Work of the Lord. And he says that your labor is not in vain. So he's not telling you once you get saved, don't do anything. He's telling you once you get saved, move on from that. Let us go on from there. And listen, when you do that, it'll keep you from falling away in your Christian life. Uh, You're given a six-fold foundational truth to build upon. I want you to look at this with me. He talks about this. Look at verse 2. He said, of the doctrine of baptism and laying on of the hands. And uh, he talks about, uh, I'm sorry, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. I I want you to think about this for just a moment. Repentance marks the beginning of your faith. When you got saved, you turned from the world and from all those things and unto Christ. That's what you did. So there's repentance and faith. In other words, I'm now no longer going to believe in the ways of the world. I'm going to believe in Christ Jesus. And some people said, man, they did a 360 in their Christian life. If they did, they turned around and went back in the wrong direction. Amen. They didn't do a 360. They had to do a 180 or they're back in the world again. And so what God tells us, there's repentance and faith. And this is what I'm trying to help you understand. These are the ABCs that he's talking about here. There's repentance and faith. In other words, I I turned from that life that I lived, and now I'm turning unto Christ. And so now that I've turned unto Christ, now what am I going to do? There's that repentance and faith. Uh, Let me give you something. This is not just feeling bad about a decision. Uh, It it is a change of mind. It it is a conscious choice to turn from uh, false teachings and lies and, and the deceptions of the devil and turning unto Christ Jesus. Amen? And listen, he tells us, if you'll trust and place your faith in me, I will save you. The world doesn't believe that today, and that's what our job is. That's what we're to do now. We're to take out the ABCs of our faith and take it to the world. That's the foundational things. So there's that repentance and faith. And through repentance, you're able to exercise faith in God. 
and, and testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us in Acts 20 and verse 21. There was a turning from the world and a turning unto Christ is what the Bible teaches us. Now here's this. He talks about baptism and laying on the hands. So here's your ABCs, repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism and laying on of the hands. This has to do with your personal relationship uh, or your, your personal relationship with the Lord, but it also has to do with your relationship with the local New Testament church as well. Your relationship with this church of believers. See, when you get saved, what's the next step? What's the next thing you do? You get what? Baptized, right? So once you get baptized, you now become a uh, part of this body. You're, you're a member of this body, okay? So then what about this laying on of the hands? Now, my mom used to tell me that when I was growing up. She's going to lay her hands on me if I didn't stop. It's not that kind of laying on of the hands, amen? <laughs> the laying on of the hands, it has to do, if you were to look, I think it's over in Luke, I wrote it down, uh, Luke 24, 50, you look at that, there was the laying on of the hands for the brethren. Uh, people that may be sick or ill, there's a laying on of the hands, but also this, when we're sending out someone in 1 Timothy 4, 4, we're sending someone out from the church, there's a laying on of the hands. This is about your membership in the local church, the ABCs. We're still at the ABCs. Let us go on from that, <laughs> And he's telling us, here's your ABCs. There's repentance and faith, there's baptism, there's laying on of the hands. And a person who's repented and trusted Christ is baptized into the local new body of believers. And the laying on of the hands symbolizes a sharing of some sort of a blessing. And that's really what that is. And the laying on of the hands is, is we're sending someone out or we're praying over someone or, or something of that nature is taking place. But it's a part of the local New Testament church. Now, you say, why is that important? It'll help you keep from falling away. When you get saved, you need to get baptized, amen? That's a part of it. That'll help you from falling away. Once you get saved and you get baptized and you're in a church, we have prayer meetings on Wednesday night and you're sharing with folks these troubles, these trials, maybe in your family, maybe extended family, maybe something's going on, and we come together and we pray. And maybe someone's sick and we lay on the hands of the sick. And listen, we do these things. Why? Because that's what the local body of believers does, and so it's a part of being that local New Testament church. But then there's this as well. And think about this, laying on the hands. And then he says, end of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. The other ABCs is this. That resurrection, that eternal judgment, both have to do with the future. Uh, and, and listen, it has to do with what's going to happen in the future. If you look at this, what is it talking about? He makes this statement, well, the resurrection of the dead. Is that going to happen? <laughs> do you believe that today? I mean, we come here for Easter and we say, you know, we sing all those songs. Do we believe in the resurrection of the dead? <laughs> yes, we do. Now, here's the thing. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. In other words, our physical bodies may die, but one day that physical body will be resurrected. I'll be in the presence of my God with a, with a new body. A and listen, God tells us that's going to happen, but he added something. And eternal what? Judgment. There's an eternal judgment coming too. See, there's going to be a resurrection of those dead as well. And when they stand before God, there's an eternal judgment coming down on them. And so what is Paul telling us in these passages? He's saying, here's, here's the basics. Here's the fundamentals. Here's the foundational things. Here's the things that you just should know. And we're moving on from that now. Are you growing in your Christian faith? Are you allowing the talent that God has given you and the tools that he provides to you to let you grow in your faith? The lesson is clear. You have laid the foundation and now the ABCs, so move forward and let's carry on to maturity. This is not a spirit of self-reliance, by the way. This is not you relying on yourself. This is you relying on God the Holy Spirit to teach you when, he's, when you're in His Word. It's you relying on God the Holy Spirit when you're listening to the preaching of the Word of God. God, what are you trying to teach me right now? It's you relying upon God when you're praying. It's you relying upon God when you're looking into the Word of God. It's you relying upon God when you're serving Him. It's you relying upon God when you're giving of your monies. It's you relying upon God. It's not what you're capable of doing. It's what God is capable of doing through you. And let's move on from the ABCs, amen? Let's go on from that. He wanted them to know that God must help and, and he alone can help them achieve their goal, maturing, receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, and then building on that. How do you mature from that, Pastor? What do you do? Uh, you know, I can take you through a discipleship course, but it's your choice to really get involved in that or not. Amen? It's your choice to say, I'm going to put forth the effort to really learn this stuff. 
Now, what's happening in our society today, too many people want to be on the Internet and Google, and they don't want to actually pick up the Bible and read it anymore. And what you need to do is find out what the Word of God says, not what someone said on Google, amen, about the Word of God. You need to let the Word of God start to affect you. You say, well, I just have a struggle with that. I want to tell you something. Pray before you read, read, and then pray after you've read. I promise you, if you're a saved individual, God the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to your heart. He'll show you those truths. He'll help you through that. He'll, he'll give you exactly what you need. Now, this is a spirit of dependence on the divine, knowing that God, who gives the permission and our willingness to follow through, is based up on that truth to maturity. You are to use the spiritual gift of salvation through Christ Jesus to avoid falling away. Now, what I want to share with you, the Lord provides us with these building blocks to maintain our growth in our Christian life, but you have a personal responsibility in that. You have a personal responsibility. You need to do something with your salvation. So God provides you with His Spirit upon salvation. Look at, with me, if you will, verses 4 through 6. Now, I want to uh, kind of preface this. These verses that I'm about to read to you are what the cults use. Now, listen to the words I just used. It is what the cults use to teach you that you can lose your salvation. But we're going to look at what the Bible actually says. But what happens in these few verses, these are what the cults use to teach an individual that once saved, not always saved. But the Bible teaches us something very different here than what they want to teach you. So I want you to look very closely at this. He said, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, they, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Listen, to help you avoid falling away, you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, God gave us Himself. <laughs> when you got saved, He gave you Himself. And he said, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you me. <laughs> and then, you know what Christ said? Christ said, listen, uh, when I depart here, I'm going to give you something, and it's called the Holy Ghost. And you know what the Holy Ghost's job is? To testify of me. Now, I want to challenge you on something, okay? If then God gave us his Holy Spirit and placed the Holy Spirit inside of us, what then should be our foundational thing that we should be doing? If the Holy Spirit's job is to testify of Jesus Christ and he gave us the Holy Spirit, what should we be doing? testifying of Christ. And he said, this is why I gave you the Holy Spirit. Now, as we think about this, this passage is often used by the cults for maintaining a works-based salvation or to prove you can lose your salvation. And when you get saved, God gives you a gift and he gives you that gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and then we know that we're saved. And I want to take you to some verses that prove some things to us. Look at Luke 11 with me, if you will. Look at Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, I'm sorry. Now, I want you to know something. God testifies to us that we are saved. So I can't tell you whether you're saved or not, but I know if you are saved, God testifies to you that you are. Let me show you how. Luke 11, everybody with me? Look at verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, here's the thing. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he tells us something's going to happen. After that, the Holy Ghost come on you, uh, upon you. Ye shall be what? Witnesses. He starts to tell us some things. Let me give you this. Now, as a partaker of this gift, it comes with a responsibility with salvation. He says in Romans 8.1, that spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hold on a minute. What did that just say? That the Holy Spirit witnesseth to our spirit that we are a what? A child of God. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you are saved, you should know so. I'm sorry. If you are saved, you should know so. Pastor, how could you possibly say that to us this morning? I'm not. I'm telling you what the Bible said. Amen. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible very clearly says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. If you are saved, if you are saved, am I not in it? That's not 8-1? Help me out then. Find that, find that passage for me then. Uh, I thought it was chapter 8 and verse 1. 
I'm glad you picked that up. I don't want to mislead people. The Spirit itself beareth witness to, uh, with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can you find that one for me real quick, Elise, and we'll come back to that. Thank you for that. Now, let me challenge you here. Now, what I want you to think about, this starts uh, with the false teaching of the cults and works-based salvation. It says, if they shall fall away. What I want you to look at with me, come back over to Hebrews real quick while you find that for me, Elise. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 with me again. Notice these verses now, and you've you got to be cautious about this, okay? Look at verse 4. He said, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now, here's where they get you, if they shall fall away. Say it again, 8.16. I'm sorry. Roman 8.16. So let's go back to that real quick. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, 8.16 of Romans. Thank you, Chris. Uh, listen, what I want you to understand, see, that's even the devil working in the middle of all that, isn't it? I hate that, man. 8.16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What the Bible teaches us is this, that when we get saved, God, the Holy Spirit, tells us that we're saved. Amen? Amen. So you know whether you're saved. Where am I going with this now? It starts with the false teaching of the cults and if they shall fall away. Here's what happens. They say it's impossible to, uh, uh, to, uh, to not uh, fall away. They, they'll tell you that. They'll say you will fall away. So you have to get saved over and over and over again. That's not what this passage is teaching. I want you to get a hold of this, okay? Because this is what the cults teach. And, and so they say, well, you know, unless you speak in tongues, you, you, can't, you can't be saved. Or unless you do some, some work, you can't be saved. What they teach you are these types of things. Here's what they're teaching you. They're saying, okay, you are responsible for keeping your salvation now. Now, if we're responsible for it, guess what we're going to do miserably? <laughs> we're going to fail, aren't we? Now, look at this passage. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God and, uh, afresh and put him to an open shame. What this is teaching us is this. It is impossible to repent and continue in some sin at the same time. It doesn't work. That's what it teaches. It's impossible for you to continue in something. Let me just take a, a big one so you understand what I'm talking about. I know I'm married, but I got a girlfriend. You with me? And I spend a week with her and I spend a week with my wife. Now, I'm making it big. I'm, I'm just trying to show you how stupid this is. Well, I'm married, but I got a girlfriend, and I live with her, and, and then I live with my wife for a week. But I, I, I'm saved, and, and, and I know that, and God will forgive me, and, uh, and things are okay. I can go to church. I can just continue in what I'm doing. How many of you agree with that this morning? No. Say, yeah, that, that works. I can, I can see that working out. <laughs> We'd say, that's crazy. What he's saying is this. Look at this in verse 6. If they shall re uh, fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. In other words, how are you going to continue doing that and serve God at the same time? It's not going to work, is it? You cannot repent and continue doing that. Are you, uh, is this making sense to you? You can't keep doing it. It's impossible to do that. Why? Because you grieve the Spirit of God. Where is the Spirit of God? Inside of us. Uh, in, in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now I want to tell you something. When you're involved in sin, when you are sinning and you are saved, does not the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? Does He not let you know that you're off track? Does He not let you know that you're not doing something right? Now, I want to challenge you with this. What he's saying is this, that if I'm off track, the Spirit of God's going to let me know. And if I continue to say, well, I'm going to do, I know the Bible said, I know, I, I, I know I'm going to keep on doing this, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to serve God. God's going to be pleased with me because I'm doing these things. I want to tell you, no way. Do you know why? Look at the latter part of this verse. They crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Do you know what that just said? It's like as if you got the nails and the hammers in your hand and you're nailing Him to the cross again. He's not on the cross anymore, is He? He's off the cross. 
He's a risen Savior. But it's like you putting him to an open shame again. You're going to continue in that avenue. You're going to continue doing that thing. You're going to continue doing that and think you can come over here and do that. It doesn't work. It's impossible to make that happen. Now, here's why. When you're involved in sin as a believer, a downward spiral begins. Uh, Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What did the Bible just teach me? The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. He's not an it. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit just said to us is this in this passage in 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, two things in that passage. First of all, he said you're sealed until the day of redemption. Amen. Amen. So how long is that? (laughs) He comes and gets me and we're gone, right? But the first part of that says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Where is the Spirit of God? Where's the Holy Ghost inside of us? Now, I want to challenge you with this. If I'm doing wrong and I am saved, what does the Bible say that I'm doing to the Spirit of God right there? I'm grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why would I be grieving the Holy Spirit of God? Let's just step back a minute. Pastor just told you in the Scriptures, it teaches you that the very purpose of the Holy Spirit is to testify of whom? Christ. And the Holy Spirit resides where? In us. Now, I'm challenging you on this. So if you have conviction enter in, that's going to lead to grieving the Holy Spirit unless we reconcile that. Would you agree? It has to be reconciled with God. This is where I'm grateful as a believer that the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our what? Sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what that does? It helps you in your fellowship. This has to do with fellowship. This has nothing to do with whether you get saved or unsaved in those passages. This has to do with your fellowship with God. And you have a personal responsibility to make sure that you're remaining in fellowship with God. It's not God's responsibility to make sure you're in fellowship with Him. It's your responsibility to stay in fellowship with God. God will take care of His part. Draw nigh unto God and He will do what, folks? Draw nigh unto you. He'll draw close to you. It is your personal responsibility to stay close to God. And now here I'm sharing with you this. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he said, Quench not the Spirit. Now here's what I want to tell you. You keep continuing in a sin, and you think about the word quench, what does that mean? It means to put it out, right? To squelch it, to stop it. So if you quench a fire, (laughs) you're putting it out, are you not? So the Bible says, quench not the what? Spirit. It tells us not to quench the Spirit. So how does that occur? How does that happen? How do I quench the Spirit? Well, what it is, is that if I continue in that sin over there, I eventually squelch what the Spirit of God is trying to do in my life. I begin to put the fire out, if you will. It doesn't make you unsaved. What it makes you is a person who says, I want to continue in my sin life. I want to continue doing what I'm doing. And I want to pretend to serve God at the same time. And by the way, God knows that. He knows what's going on in your heart. So what is the challenge here? When we look at this, when you're grieving the Spirit or quenching the Spirit, your testimony, not only for yourself, but for our Savior, has become diminished. We diminish our witness for Christ. <coughs> Not a loss of salvation, but out of fellowship. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Pastor, what do we do so that we remain honoring God? What do we do to, to remain in that position? Well, you know, as I started the message, I was telling you uh, the very importance of of staying in the Bible and reading and praying and, and, and not coming to the place where you're just staying at those foundational things, but you've got to go on from that. Once you go on from that, you begin to realize the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You begin to realize what God's doing in your life. You're getting past the ABCs. You're getting past just that, that repentance and that faith and that just baptism and laying on the hands and the judgment and the resurrection, you're, you're moving on from that. What am I recognizing? I'm recognizing God's at work. Amen. He's always at work. He's at work in my life and he's at work in my spouse's life. He's, he's at work in, in my family's life. He's at work in the world. Amen. He's at work. So what is it that he's doing? As a believer, you have an avenue of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Everybody with me there? 
There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Would you say there's a problem with idolatry in our nation today? Is there a problem with idolatry in our nation today? In fact, we had a show that was on TV and it went off and it's coming back on, but it was called American what? Go ahead, you can say it. Either that or you're lying. It was called American what? American Idol. And I, I just want you to think about some things. Now watch what he says. I speak, not, I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, uh, uh, the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ? He said, the cup of blessing we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? He wanted us to know some things, and he's saying this to us in those passages. I want you to know this. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you, and God is faithful. Amen? Amen. So what did he tell us could happen? Whenever those temptations are presented to us, God gives us a way of what? Escape. There's an out, isn't there? Not only is there an out, he tells us, listen, I want you to know the magnitude of this. He said, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the crux of all of this, he said, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from those things that are... And listen, he could have made a list there, but he's just saying, flee away from those things that are drawing you away from God. Would you, would you agree with that this morning? Yeah. Idolatry pulls you away from God, does it not? And, and so it causes you to worship something other than God. And, and so he's saying, listen, I want you to know I'm there to help you escape that situation. And then he reminds us of something. And he says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, uh, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. And he said, Why don't you, why don't you uh, use some discernment and think about what I'm telling you? Use some discernment and, 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 and take that into account and say, What is it being said to me today? He said, I want you to know, did not Jesus Christ die for you? Did not he break his body for you? Then where are we? And when that temptation comes, what do we do about it? You're to use spiritual gift of the Holy Ghost to avoid falling away in your faith. And I believe the Lord provides His Spirit to help maintain growth in our Christian life. Last thought is this. God provides you with the glory of His riches. Uh, would you look at verses 7 and 8 in Hebrews there? Chapter 6. He said, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Uh, what I want to share with you is I believe God's Word just coincides uh, with itself. It, 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 just, it, it is so wonderful how God writes things. Here he was just talking about the fact that people are falling away. <laughs> and he said, I want you to know what happens when you fall away. And he's talking about things being burned. Hey, listen, if you're out there and you're dressed in the field and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing... <laughs> You're doing the right things, you're going to receive the blessing of God. But I want you to know, Christian, whenever you're doing things your own way and you're doing things that account for you or you're off of falling uh, prey to these temptations, I want you to know that's going to be rejected and burned. It has nothing to do with the loss of salvation. It has to do with the loss of rewards as a saved person. Amen? Amen. Now, I want you to get a hold of this this morning. To help you avoid falling away, you're giving the blessing of God. And this is an analogy used to describe the life of the fruitful and the fruitless in the Christian life. And you're either being fruitful in your Christian life or you're fruitless. You're not bearing any fruit or you're fruitful. Now, I, I know when I was growing up, we, Dad had some apple trees in the yard. And, uh, and, and I used to love sitting in those apple trees, eating those apples. But he had apple trees in the yard. But we went out one year and this apple tree was dead. You know what it was good for? Burn. Firewood. Guess what? We were not getting off of that tree anymore. It was fruitless. Why leave it stand in the yard? Why leave it just be in the way? He cut it down and burned it. It was useless now. A fruitless Christian isn't doing anything. They're just not trying to get information out about our Savior. God continually provides us with His blessings, the riches of His glory, so that we will become fruitful for the Lord. And God blesses us. The hindrance to the blessing is the direction of the Christian. And when we go back into the world, instead of being a witness, they, what, what happens is, is we, we go back out there and, and then we want to be a participant again. 
We want to be a participant in the world. We, 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 we don't step back for a moment and look at the world and say, you know what? Whew. Some things we ought not as Christians participate in. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Amen. There's some things out there we ought not participate in. And, and you look at it, and what happens is, is you go out there and you become a participant of those things again. Now what happens? Well, that hinders the blessing of God and the direction for your Christian life. Of course, Peter warned of this action as well. Turn to 2 Peter 2.20 with me. 2 Peter 2.20. 2 Peter 2.20. Everybody with me? Everybody still awake? Everybody smelling spaghetti or something? Everybody's like, boy, I hope he gets the end of this one. Everybody with me? For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. And what's the next phrase? And what? Overcome. The latter end is worse with them than, from, than the beginning. For it had been better for them, to not, uh, them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned again unto his own vomit, or uh, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the what? Here's the idea, okay? As a believer... God gives me a responsibility through salvation. He says, I want to help you from falling away. So what did he tell us to do? Well, get off the ABCs. Start learning. Let's go on from that. That's what he told us. And then he told us, he said, now listen, I've equipped you. I've equipped you with my word. I've equipped you with a local church. I've equipped you with a preacher. I've equipped you with the opportunity to serve because I've given you a talent. I've given you my Holy Spirit. So I've given you what you need now. Let's move on. Let's go on from our ABCs. I want, to know, I want you to know what I've given unto you. And lastly this, my desire as the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is for you to become fruitful, not fruitless. I don't want you to go back into the world. I want you to go out into the world and tell the world about me. But I don't want you to go back out and become the world. By the way, there's a lot of churches today that are becoming the world. You can't tell the difference between the church service and the, and the rock concerts. What I want you to think about is this. For after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than, than the beginning, worse with them than the beginning. You know why? Because they now know what? Truth. They know what the truth is. So now they know the truth, and so what does it come down to? Well, Pastor just told you a few minutes ago, we all make what? Choices, don't we? We all make choices. So the choices that you make are your responsibility. So in all of this, what are your choices? Do not reject the blessing of God, and notice that the blessing comes to them whom it, dress, uh, whom, uh, it is dressed. Uh, those who are willing to go forth and for the work, they are the ones that are blessed. Don't get hung up on the rejection of the thorns and the briars and being burned because God wants you to receive the blessings. God wants us and He wants to bless us. Believe me, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless your home. God wants to bless your life. God wants to do those things. But God cannot deny Himself. Amen? He can see wrong and He can see right. And He knows when we're doing wrong and we want the blessings of God even when we're doing wrong. If it were not so, why did this passage have to even be here? And sometimes we just want God to give us regardless of what we do. And yet God says, no, you have a personal responsibility in this. You have a personal responsibility. Those who are willing to go forth and do the work. Let's get busy in the harvest field. I want you to turn to a psalm, and I'll finish with this this morning. Psalm 67. And I just want you to take into account, as we read this psalm, I want you to take into account our nation. I want you to take into account your family, your personal family, and your individual Christian life. You personally. So let's turn to Psalm 67. Everybody with me? Look at this. It said, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy 
For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now I want you to kind of get a hold of that psalm and go back and rehearse this, read it a couple of times. But God's basically telling us, listen, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to do things for you. And he's saying, but folks, listen, make sure that my name is known. Make sure you get my name out there. Be fruitful in this. You say, Pastor, how do we do this? we got to get off the ABCs, guys. we got to get off the foundational things and let us go on from there. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't witness. We have the Holy Spirit that resides in us, and we should be a testimony to our Savior, whether we're in this building or outside this building, when we're on the job or whether we're on vacation. We ought to be a witness for our Savior. And so God says, I've given you my Spirit, and now what I'm saying is I'm willing to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to do this for you. And what does he say? Be fruitful. Go out and dress the field. Go out and do the things that are necessary. He said, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off up on it, and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. God says, Listen, go out and do what I'm asking you to do. I have no problem in blessing you. And here's the challenge for you this morning. The Lord our God wants to bless us, and He wants us to go out and dress the field. If you're going to avoid falling away, gather in your heart this morning that you need to know the ABCs. (laughs) You need to recognize now, let's go on from that, that the Holy Spirit resides in you. And we have a personal responsibility for this wonderful salvation that our God has given unto us, and He's given us a job to do. And He wants us to go out And to go out there and dress the field, what are we going to do? We're going to be fruitful. We're going to go win the lost. We're going to make sure that his name is known. And listen, don't lay prey to some sin in your life. Get it out. Amen?